0: You are listening to the Big Blue Rock Pod, produced by the Kentucky Geological Survey at the University of Kentucky. This podcast is a fun conversational approach to discussing all things geology and earth processes. We primarily focus on Kentucky. We talk emerging ideas and research, along with classic topics in earth science for all levels of interest. Let's do the show. Hello and welcome to the Big Blue Rock Pod. I'm Matt Crawford, along with my co-hosts, Doug Curl and Sarah Arpin. Hello. Hello. We're hey. back. You all good? We're back. Yep. Okay. Good. Today's topic is geologic time. And there's a couple of milestones here with this, huh. this recording. Okay. Uh, one is this is episode 10. That's, I feel like that's an accomplishment. Woohoo. Okay. Yeah. Uh, second is we have our first repeat guest. <laughs> I feel like that's like a thing you say in podcasts. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's huge. Okay. <laughs> we have our first repeat guest. Our guest today is Jason Dortch, a geologist with the Kentucky Geological Survey. And Jason was a guest on episode two, talking about glaciation, which was really fun. Uh, Jason, maybe just quickly reintroduce the audience to what you do here.
1: Hi, I'm Jason Dorch, um, geomorphologist, tectonic geomorphologist. I look at surface processes, hazards, um, and kind of how the landscape involves in Kentucky over the last one or two million years. Um, And I'm glad to, uh, two time to podcast (laughs) and it's about time I'm back. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So,
0: um, we, we've been wanting to talk about geologic time for a while. It's been on our, our list of ideas for a while, but it's also quite intimidating, I think for all of us, maybe not Jason, but, uh, for us, you know, there's a lot that you can tackle in geologic time. So, we have uh we have sort of a plan and we'll just uh see how it goes. Like all the episodes I guess we'll start with a very basic question. Before we get to like the time scale and some important events in geology, let's just lay it out. What is time? Because it can be a very abstract concept. It is an abstract concept. So I I wrote down a few things here and then I'll tee it up to you all and see how you want to trash these uh, definitions or not? <laughs> okay. Okay. Time is how we organize our lives, right? In a general sense, it's it's very familiar to all of us, but very. But if someone asks you what is time, it's probably hard for you to describe what it is. Like in your mind, you're like, oh yeah, it's days, hours, minutes, seconds, my calendar, whatever. But if you have to really define it, that's more challenging. Yeah, years, days, hours, events. Maybe maybe some people think more about events as, you know, how they think about time. But really, we're talking about a progression of events from the past to the future. Physicists often determine time as the progression of events from the past to the present into the future. Time can be considered the fourth uh, dimension of reality used to describe events in three-dimensional space. We can't see it, we can't touch it, we can't taste it, but we somehow try to measure it as part of our lives. So generally, time is the continued sequence of of existence and events that occurs in apparently irreversible succession, from the past through the present into the
2: future, like that apparently. Yeah, you had, to
0: squeeze, <laughs> had to squeeze that in there.
2: Yeah, is
0: that where do we go here? Is that is that a good setup for talking about geologic time?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, there's, and then this. I think we're going to get to this, but this concept of absolute time. You know, the the time on your watch. Versus this relative time, you know, this thing happened before yeah. that or after this. Um, and that comes up in geologic. We'll talk about that. But, yeah, you know, I think we get really stressed out about absolute time because it's, you know, we need to be somewhere at this moment or whatever time on the clock it is. But we're probably more relaxed talking about relative time, you know, events that happened in the past or... I'm going to do this in the future. I'm going to go do this, yeah. Yeah, That's a great
0: point. That's a huge part of this, I think. Yeah.
2: I Um. want
1: to start off by railing against uh, how we define time. (laughs) 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 There's going to be a lot of this in this episode. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's (laughs) completely antiquated and nonsensical, right? So, like, our... Definition of a second, I just looked this up. It's 9.2 billion oscillations of a cesium atom. <laughs> <laughs> That's the atomic clock. Or it's thousands of pulsations from uh, quartz crystal, right? So you apply electricity across the quartz crystal, it Cause, grows. Because you have that in your watch to keep the constant ticking
0: of right. the arm. Yeah, because yeah, it acts like a little capacitor. And right? that grows and it discharges.
2: When we came up in the, what, 1800s or whatever? I mean, Not sure. Yeah, Sometime. Yeah, (laughs) but
1: I mean, we should be on a metric system by now. I mean, it doesn't. doesn't, I see what you're saying. Yeah, the actual units that we use make very little sense. Okay, yeah. So it's it's a human construct
0: to get some kind of organization to how we live. Yeah, and it's in the cosmos that that doesn't make any sense. Right. It makes as
1: much sense as five thousand two hundred eighty feet is a mile. Right, once we get- Arbitrary? In, yeah, once we get into big things, like space, we talk about astronomical units, right? Distance between mm-hmm. the earth and the sun, you know? So, and a geologic time is, is kind of broken in the same way, I guess we'll get to that, but it's based off of the evidence that we have, and not everything's preserved, so we do the best we can. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay, I- anything else on
0: sort of this broad definition? Then, then, then let's get, uh, Oh. before we get to the time
1: scale, one more thing. Yep. It's apparently irreversible. So time, Man. right? So if you're a, a higher dimensional being, time is just another spatial scale to you. You can move things around it. Mm-hmm. All time exists simultaneously, right? Mm. So for us, lower yeah. order beings, yeah, it's irreversible because we only yeah exist important. one way. Like we exist kind of in. We have freedom in three dimensions and we're on a train track in the fourth. Right. Yeah. Right. But it's like that. I don't know if you ever read those old analogies about like flat land. So if you have like a two dimensional creature, you know, it would sit on your table and it would only be able to see in 2D, it would never be able to look up, you know, and there might be like a wall, like a prison. Right. And you could come in as a, as a third dimensional being and pick somebody up out of the prison and to them, they would just teleport away. Right. And then set them down outside of the prison back in the flat land and they would just magically reappear. And be like, what happened? Because it can't look up, right? So that's kind of our limited view of time—very mm-hmm. limited. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> that's cool. Yeah.
0: Okay, the geologic time scale. This is this is how this is a cornerstone of all of our all of our work to some degree. The geologic time scale is a representation of time based on the rock record on Earth. Uh, it's a system of chronological dating that uses chronostratigraphy. Chronostratigraphy is the, the geology or is the process relating strata to time. And then also geochronology, the scientific branch of geology that aims to determine the age of rocks. So we determine the age of rocks, construct this four point five billion year calendar, so to speak, of ages of rocks, events, and and try to have that be a way we explain uh earth history to people. Does that sound right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that 4.5 billion year old age.
0: Oh, that's the age of the earth. Right.
2: That hasn't been set. The time scale goes much further back than, than we know than our age of the earth. Yeah. Yeah. That age, which is important because like the, the relative ages that are in the time scale have been established for a really long time. And then, you know, putting, putting an actual millions of years on each, time period came later with, you know, more modern with techniques for age dating dating and and things like that. But that, yeah, that chronostratigraphy that goes way back because people were using the evidence that was in front of their face with rock layers. At the time. Yeah. Yeah. And and I just wanted to point that that 4.5, that hasn't been established for forever. That took, took a lot of work to get there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think James Hutton is credited with coming up with the geologic time scale. If you look at the geologic time scale, there's, you know, there's compartmentalized units, uh, periods on there, but um, the, the scale itself as a whole is sort of a, a regulated kind of thing. The definition of standardized international units of geologic time is the responsibility of the International Commission on Stratigraphy. I didn't really know that. Uh, which is a part of the International Union of Geological Sciences. So there are some people somewhere that There's a
2: bureaucracy get that together
0: and, <laughs> and make sure this thing stays <laughs> stays together.
2: Yeah, I was gonna, it's interesting about Hutton because so he was a Scottish geologist, and I mean he was making these observations forever, and yeah, he came up with this concept of deep time um, that really threw in the face of the very forward well, the, the church at the time, you know, was, was establishing a, a very young date for the earth. And basically, you know, he, he didn't know how old the, the age of the earth was or anything like that, but he just knew based on his observations that things were a lot older than the 4,000, 6,000 years, that, you know, things just observing how sedimentation happens and observing earth processes and then looking at the layers and what was happening with them. You know, the earth had to be older than what the church was saying. That was a bold statement at the time. And then there were a lot of others that came after him that took his ideas and probably expressed them a lot better. Like Lyell, Charles Darwin used a lot of his ideas. So yeah, just want to put that out there that, but I, I have to believe that there were there were people way before Hutton that were making the same observations and just not writing that writing this stuff down
0: and H- Hutton's credited with uniformitarianism yeah right so yeah. which colloquially is the present is the key to the past right yeah yeah um and past making is the key those key to the future making those broad observations yeah. yeah 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 so if you look at the geologic time scale on a piece of paper or on a big poster or on your computer it's it's divided up into Uh, hierarchical divisions, which we call eons, eras, periods, epics. Uh, Each of those are some different amount of time. Those are some combination of old Greek words and place names. Uh, We can just pick out some. Most people have heard of the Jurassic period or the Cretaceous period or around here it's the Ordovician period. So those are some chunk of time that is uh, bound by significant geologic ages and observations that make it that, that period.
1: So, um, some of the place names are, are based off where the type sections are, right? So like you'll have some, uh, global representation of some sediments that demarcate a a time period, right? And then they'll be like a, like globally recognized type section. Like this, this is the, one of the best examples of this transition in a sedimentary record, right? Yeah. But I did want to step back, just one quick thing, is uh, very few people have exposure to deep time. Like you get, like some physicists maybe, depending on what their study might get exposure to it, maybe some areas of evolutionary biology, um, which is really just a branch of paleontology, may get exposure to it, but really our only other science besides geology that that lives in deep time is astronomy. Right? They're the only other people who routinely think about millions and billions of years, Yep, you know, instead of just next Tuesday. right? Like that's like a normal yeah. thing for them. They can swim in that and kind of move back and forth between different scales of time and processes.
4: Right. Right. I was um, talking to somebody that had seen Steve Martin's talk on arches and how those had developed and like the fundamental roadblock for them to understand say why these arches exist on ridge tops and aren't the cause of like wind blown processes but water processes the 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 fundamental roadblock for them was understanding that at some point like the tops of the ridges Weren't the tops of the ridges like it it was a time issue, really, that was blocking that understanding um, more than the process issue?
0: Oh, absolutely. There's so many geologic phenomena that
1: people can fall into that
4: Mm -hmm. roadblock. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's hard
1: to wrap your
0: mind around, right? Yeah, yeah. People are
1: still shocked here when I talk to them about, you know, because we live in Appalachia, Mm -hmm. it used to be as tall as the Himalaya, right? You know, and that just freaks people out,
4: yeah.
0: And that there were three, four mountain building events, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Three, mount, four mountain building events. How long did that take? Mm-hmm. Right, it's hard to... Grenville. Yeah. <laughs> the Grenville. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Grenville orogeny. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that was, we can look at the timescale and use it to help us communicate and constrain, understand geologic phenomenon processes, um, and it's a way of representing deep time. And to your point, I think, Sarah and Jason, like it's it's very central to stratigraphy, to um, historical geology. You don't see many historical geology classes anymore. They uh, don't do that anymore. I don't. I don't know. I just I, my my lens is here at UK.
1: I don't. Do they teach historical geology? I, I, I don't know. I would I would reverse that.
2: Maybe it's called something else.
1: I don't think geologic time is central to stratigraphy. I think stratigraphy is central to geologic yeah, time. I agree. Because this, this stratigraphy defines it. And I'm, I'm going to come yeah, back that, to this okay, later sure. and hammer on Anthropocene, just as a spoiler, <laughs> sure, that, um, yeah, and why it's complete BS, but we'll get there. That's fair.
0: <laughs> Which I was... So, oh. oh, no, I was just going to say for the audience, maybe that stratigraphy is the study of the sequence of rock layers and it's primarily for sedimentary rocks and some igneous rocks. Hmm. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I think another... Th- question or something to talk about when we were talking about these hierarchical divisions, your eons, eras, periods, epochs, your divisions are not equal Mm -hmm. of geologic time. So do we want to talk a bit about how time is divided and why those divisions are where they are? Yeah, I was just
2: going to mention kind of the same thing that the scale changes Deeper in time that you go. So, right. Because um, our evidence is less as you go further back in time. So, we're not able to make these divisions and also just what was going on with the earth, things like that. Like your, your Hadian is a very, very, a very long. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> my eon, I mean, no one was around in the Hadean, Um yeah, There's not for, much evidence in the Hadian For
1: our older <laughs> listeners, um, you might remember having a hi fi stereo right? And high phi, phi was for fidelity, right? And so back through time, we lose fidelity, right? We lose evidence, right? Because things only preserve for so long before they get reworked in a geologic system, like subducted down an ocean trench and turned into a volcano. Um, so not a lot of sediments or things hang around from long, long ago. So the Hadean was 3.8 to 4.6 billion years ago. And that's like primordial primordial earth, you know, very hot, um, and earlier, and a billion years
2: of time. Yeah, it's like the
1: first There's one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. part of yeah. this part of the scale. It's, yeah, just not, like, it's like, not even really tectonic plates. You
2: just yeah. like uh, it's a quarter of the Earth's Earth history.
1: history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like when you overboil your tomato soup; you just have like some scum on top. Like, yeah, <laughs> continents. Right. Yeah, that's right. just
2: going on for a billion years.
1: And then, as soon as you <laughs> get, and uh, three point five billion years later, so just three hundred million years after you start forming like solid surface rock, you get life.
4: That's pretty incredible.
1: Right? So yeah. it's, like, it's like immediate. As soon as there's enough oxygen atmosphere, mm-hmm. you start getting your first cells. Mm-hmm. Did, did you all who,
0: who've who taught class before and, and did something with geologic time do the analogies, right? There's so many analogies <laughs> oh, you could, like, yeah. uh, a roll of toilet paper represents. Yeah, it's the one we
1: got. Your yeah. fingernail
0: yeah. thing or something. So like I, I, the existence of human beings on the roll of toilet paper is like a sliver of one sheet or whatever. Mm-hmm. or say the analogy is a football field. Mm-hmm. Like the existence of humans is like the one inch line. Right. right on yeah. that expanse of time. Oh, what was something the clock like
1: one? We got the clock one too. It was something like in a yeah. 24 hour military clock. Uh, all of human history represents the last second of the last minute. Yeah. Right. Something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sounds, like a uh, Carl Sagan. Kind of like generous. Yeah. yeah.
4: yeah. Right. <laughs> but it goes back to astronomers, right? Like,
0: yeah. But to, to get back to your, Point Sarah is how do we divide it up and the they're all not even I get I mean it's generally it's coming up with ages of rocks mm-hmm. and then ages of events so like you said first f- first land animals or first reptiles or first fish or it's
4: very closely you know, ex- tied ex- to ex- evolution ex- right yeah
0: ex- yeah yes and extinctions fossil, the fossil record Fo- is fossil record. pretty big yeah
1: major major, major extinctions. That's the thing that changes Mm -hmm. mostly, right? Because like, you know, if you go back before there was any terrestrial life, right? Back when it was just life in the sea, you know, like Ordovician kind of stuff, right? There's no terrestrial plants. There's no bugs. There's nothing burrowing. There's nothing, right? So when you get rain, you get preserved raindrops on like clays and things and sediment just washes away because there's no roots, you know, so... A sandstone is a sandstone is a sandstone. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's <laughs> hard to distinguish between differences and say, until you say, oh, there's fossils in the sandstone mm-hmm. now. Right. Something's yeah. changed. Yeah. Right. So that's how our thing is, is broken down on what's preserved. And what's preserved usually tends to be odd things, very hard things, very chemically stable mm-hmm. things, things that there's a lot of that fall into some hole in the ground. So they get buried and preserved. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what a lot a lot of what we're tied to. So first appearances and last appearances mm-hmm. of stuff.
2: Right. And that, in that, in that case of the order of that that's a really good example because yeah, the only fossils that exist are marine. And so if you have any terrestrial, you know, sediments like sandstones and things, you have to correlate them to those marine layers that have the, the fossils in them to mm-hmm. say, oh, they're the same age. Cause, and that's, that's all, you know. That's that concept in geology of relative age dating? Well lateral equivalence. Yeah, oh I lateral guess. continuity. Yeah, yeah. I did um, slightly misspeak. So Ordovician's uh, yeah. do the
1: first evidence of land plants. Oh is it? Yeah. Ordovician oh, okay. Ordovician. Well it, the sorry good
2: example though.
0: Yeah. Ordovician <laughs> is uh, according <laughs> to my AIPG timescale, uh, four hundred and forty to four hundred and ninety-five million years ago is the Ordovician. The most recent geologic period Formally accepted geologic period. It's
1: called the Quaternary.
0: Modern humans, glaciers. What else is the Quaternary known for? You
1: know, well, it was alluvial sediment. Accepted, then killed, then reaccepted. It's accepted. Really? Uh, yeah. Kind of like Pluto. Not uh, a planet anymore. <laughs>
2: poor Pluto.
4: When did they uh, get rid of it and why? Uh, I think qu- I was in grad school. Really? They got, um, they got
0: rid of the Quaternary? Yeah. That okay. recent? Yeah. What
2: did they replace it with?
1: The Quaternary? <laughs> <laughs> so the Quaternary was defined at like 1.8 million years. Yeah, that's the number which is yeah. wrong. It sticks in my head. Um, so the you problem know? with this is one of my. We'll get to the Anthropocene. I swear. The, I'm, teeing, I'm, teeing, I'm teeing, <laughs> teeing up Anthropocene teeing me up for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're, 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 you're feeding me for this. Um, <laughs> everything else is preserved is based off of preserved sediments. And the Quaternary was kind of a base of like, you know, human evolution, like hominins. You know, major climatic change, yada yada yada, but Mainly, it really revolved a lot around climate, and that's not right because mm. the rest of the time scale is based off of sediments. And so I forget exactly when, 2008, 2010, something like that, Geologic Society of America actually dropped Quaternary from the time scale. Wow. I, did, I didn't know that. Um, it was brought back several years later based on sediments. Mm. So the major onset of global glaciation, the type sections in Italy, you know, it's like terrestrial and marine sediments is what it's based on. And now it's 2.6 million years. Oh, okay. Right? So that's what the stratigraphic record shows. So older.
2: older so adjusting it back to, to an actual stratigraphic mm-hmm. thing that was happening with glaciers, basically. And those changes Fair in enough.
1: sediments do reflect a, ch- a major change in climate, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, but it's supposed to be based off of sediments. That's what we, we define things on. It's the sedimentary and the rock record. And I was going to mention one of the weird things, like there's a, there's big chunks of the geologic time scale that are defined by conodonts, Hmm. you know, presence of conodonts and different types of conodonts that are identified mm -hmm. by their
2: morphologies. They're little tiny fossils, right? That look like teeth. They're like teeth. They are teeth. They're eel teeth. Are they teeth? Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. Which kind of trips people out as well. Yeah. So there's like whole like. Super weird. Millions of year sections defined by eel teeth. (laughs) Because they're, they're chemically stable. They're hard. Eel dies, other things, you know, rot or get eaten, and the teeth just kind of hang out. The soft
2: parts. But they're able to, they're, they change enough where you can, you can track, you know, track through time the differences. So you can use them as a marker, Hmm. I guess, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So, okay, this tees up the
0: Anthropocene. Um, (laughs) The Anthropocene is a proposed, a proposed epic. From what I read, it was first suggested in around the year 2000. Um, The Anthropocene is a proposed epoch for the most recent time in Earth history. While still informal, it's it's still a widely used term to denote the present geologic time interval, which many conditions and processes on Earth are profoundly altered by human impact. So you're calling BS on it?
1: uh I'm not calling on a profound human impact or humans that are the cause of climate change because those things are true. Yeah. I'm calling BS on the naming system and the definition of the base, right? So we had the KT boundary, right? the the Cretaceous, Cretaceous tertiary, tertiary mass extinction. It's not called the meteorocene. The meteors <laughs> came, struck, killed all the dinosaurs. <laughs> we don't name epochs after the things that killed everything. Right. We name things off of what's preserved in the sediments. Volcano eruption scene. Right. (laughs) Something like that. Um, So, you know, from my point of view, I mean, and and then you got to think about, okay, there's arguments to be made about where does that layer start? Mm
3: -hmm. Right.
1: Because humans had a profound effect on the environment 10,000 years ago when we started Mm -hmm. agriculture. Right. Right. We deforested things. That released a lot of carbon started changing the climate. But more importantly, we started cultivating land. Worms move in. That releases even more carbon from the soil. Mm -hmm. You know, colluvium came off the slopes into the valleys. we got big valley fills. So, like, you can make an argument there based off of valley fills. Mm -hmm. Um, There's the Industrial Revolution, 1750s. We started putting a lot of pollutants up. Um, But as far as a global signal, the... Well, there is one more. There's uh, plastics. Yeah, I was right, just going to say that, right. like layers of plastics. Layers of plastics. Plastic in the ocean. They preserve pretty well. I don't know about on a geological timescale over millions of years, yeah. especially once you start heating sediments. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's been arguments to name it the Plastocene because that's something that gets preserved in sediments. And that won't be confusing at all with the Paleocene, the Pliocene, and the Pleistocene <laughs> having a <the> plasticine. <laughs> Um, but I like it, yeah, I, do. <laughs> yeah, I like it, but it's, it's correct. Um, Is that what you mean? I, I like the
2: Radicine, the Radicine, the Radicine like,
1: cause it's rad dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, in the 1950s and you know, none of the, none of the markers that we have are perfect. It's like presence in new things. Like you may find, you know, here's this one type of conodont tooth that defines this layer. There may be one or two down below the sentence before that. They're just not like prolific. Right. You know what I mean? Like things are not, Mm -hmm. they're fuzzy. These are all fuzzy boundaries. Right. Right. Yeah. And
2: they get fuzzier as you go further back. Correct. Yeah.
1: And so I think holding some insane standard to the modern is kind of crazy. But I like the radicine because radiation is measured in rads.
3: Mm-hmm. OK. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and we already have a global standard for 1950 when we started nuclear testing, all sorts of water studies in mm-hmm. other places. Right. You know, look at that um, and you can find that boundary. You can find sediments that have pre and post that radiation spike. Right. And interestingly enough, our most recent one the KT boundary is based off of.
2: Yep. Uh, uh, do you know? N- meteorite. Debris from dust dust yes. yeah. iridium, right? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. There's a global iridium spike mm-hmm. I think there's some other boundaries that are iridium mm-hmm. um, Based too, but yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like it. So also that coincides with when plastics sort of took off was nineteen fifty, so also it's coincidental um, mm-hmm. Or yeah. maybe it's related. I don't know.
1: But, I yeah. think the Radissine also correlates with the, the pinnacle of language evolution at least in the US
3: <laughs>
0: so it's a nomenclature. It's a nomenclature thing that, that needs to fit with what we've done already with the geologic timescale. Not, right. not that the Anthropocene is not worthy of a new the, epic. Right. The okay. Anthropocene
1: is, should totally be a valid thing on a timescale, but not the geologic timescale. You know, there's been arguments, and I, I am totally in favor of this, is developing a climate-based yeah. timescale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to yes. be a lot patchier. It's not going to go back as far, but that's a different thing. hmm You know, you, you can't just appropriate another system. Mm-hmm. One's based off of rocks, have one based off of climate, have one based off of biology. There's going to be a lot of overlap on the right. boundaries and the breaks, right? But depending on your subject, you should be using the appropriate timescale. Right. Um. Can
2: yeah. we go back to Quaternary? Yeah. That's a terrible name. Like what is it based off? Quaternary.
1: Oh well, tertiary is three, so Quaternary is four. Yeah, that's boring. I mean, <laughs> at least a better name. Stupid <laughs> geologist knowing how to count. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it was like they, they ran yeah, out why, of
2: but, uh, ran out of creative, you know, Jurassic and Cretaceous well, really or interesting if you're, names. Yeah. Tertiary, Quaternary. But why, yeah, why four? Four what? For what? Yeah. For what? yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's a good question. Going back to this Radicine, which I really like. Would that that would be the end of the quaternary? I mean, it would or is it a part of the quaternary cuz how do you end an era, I guess is That's
4: a good question.
2: Cuz we have you know, we have um we have divisions within eras and things like that. So would this Radicine be a division within the Quaternary or would it, would it mark the end of it? Cause the Quaternary to me is very glacial based and we're still in a glacial. Oh period. yeah.
1: We're still, we're within a, right. So it'd be an epoch, not a period. Okay. So yeah. the Quaternary is a period the Radocene would, would be an epoch, would be the end of the Holocene. And, and
0: on oh,
2: that Holocene, note, yeah, that was the other yeah. term we haven't mentioned yet.
0: Holocene is an epoch, epic, in the Quaternary. Okay, yeah. Most yeah. recent epic. Yeah. Which also makes no
1: sense. That's yeah. another one that needs but to die and go away.
0: That isn't Holocene arrival
1: of humans? No. Oh. Uh, I don't know what it is. No, we go back. Farther the, than this the Holocene? Is, is Holocene is the start of agriculture. Okay. Mm.
2: Um, yeah, I no, guess. Well, at least
1: you have some earth. sediments there to define that.
2: But there again, you're introducing this anthropomorphic thing into the...
1: But it will be preserved earth. in a rock record. Yeah. Right. So yeah. That it does have that going for it. But the, the thing that annoys me is the kind of like the arrogance, the self-importance of people, mm-hmm. like yeah. we're the center of the universe, right? Totally. So mm-hmm. the Holocene yeah. is one of like 50 plus interglacials within the Pleistocene. It's just another interglacial. Right, it's a long interglacial but there's been other long ones before too that last 10 12 thousand years mm-hmm. right. That's a good point. right so it's just another part of the glacials it's an interglacial period during the glacials yeah. overall yeah right an yeah. ice house um so this the quaternary. the last 2.6 million years has just been the onset of our glaciation where the where the shift should kind of break if you really want to put a break is the uh um, mid-pleistocene climatic Shift mm. right, so like a million years ago, the Milankovitch cycles that control glaciation kind of switched from the 40,000 year kind of oscillation to dominance by the 100,000 year glaciation, and that caused a lot of different erosion and deposition and things, right? So that had a big change in the sedimentary record, yeah. Um, so if you want to divvy up Pleistocene and Holocene, you know, I would argue you should go back there, yeah. Um, but I don't see what's so special about the Holocene besides people. You know, mm-hmm. that's the whole problem. You run into the arguments of evolution too. is People think people are special, and it's like, right. no, we're we're a primate,
4: just another yeah,
2: yeah. yeah we're just we're another. another we fit in the.
1: Thing. We're not at the center. Yeah, mm. things just another leaf on a tree. It I know
4: we were making fun of this international commission of stratigraphy a little bit at the beginning of this episode, <laughs> but I bet their meetings are super heated. Uh, like, yes, <laughs> I, want, I want Jason
2: to be
1: on this committee. I know I mentioned they're filling shotgun shells full of conodont teeth.
2: I, I, was, <laughs> I, bet they meet in, I bet they meet in cool places, though. You know, like. I was
0: just oh, gonna say, say this, sessions, s- Sarah. Yeah. Sarah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, are there <laughs> At, at Geological Society of America meetings and AGUs, are there? I'm not going to these sessions, but are there people knock down, drag out argument over Anthropocene
1: at GSAs?
4: Oh, I bet.
0: Is going to be that this year? definitely used I to be. I don't
1: yeah. Know.
4: I mean, yeah. it's been an ongoing...
1: Yeah. It's been kind of accepted now, unfortunately, I feel right. like. Right.
2: It's a lost it's, cause. It's, yeah, once Richard not, Attenborough started using it, yeah. You're <laughs> <done>. <laughs> right.
1: Like, I
0: feel like it's accepted informally amongst geologists, but not, not these...
2: But Dude, I like this idea of a different timescale. I mean, keep talking about the Anthropocene because, you know, it does highlight our impact on the climate, but it's gotta be a part of a different time scale than the geologic yeah. one. And
1: that's that's kind of the point,
2: yeah. I think, yeah. too, yeah.
1: right? Is um is to highlight to people that human are humans are the cause of it. Like mm-hmm. so it's a bit mm-hmm. of a yeah. it's easier to use as a political tool. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. Right. Yeah. But that's not we're scientists. Mm-hmm. You know, there's zero doubt that we're causing a mass extinction, right. or that we're majorly affecting the climate. Regardless right. of your politics, I don't care. This is mm-hmm. this is what the data shows. Right. Right. And I don't want the geologic timescale being politicized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean. Keep it based off the sediments. We we know what it is. We know what it what it means. Right. Um you know, and let everybody else hash it out. If they want to come up with a new name for whatever agenda, let them do it. But mm-hmm. Keep it off the geologic time scale.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I agree.
0: I, I agree too. <laughs> Me All right. too.
2: All right. Because <laughs> <then> we're settled. <laughs> yeah. All right. uh, our little union of yeah. geologic time has settled this. All right. One over three people. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Maybe we should Everyone be this should
4: international this commission. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, the International Commission hasn't put it on, right? They, they haven't put it on. So yeah. I think so they're doing a good job. Good yeah. job, International Commission. They're, they're <laughs> probably having the same arguments. And, yeah, yeah. Know, I am yeah. a nobody and but I yeah, approve yeah. of your work. <laughs> what are those meetings like? <laughs> <laughs> and, and just so people, just to, to hammer this last point home, too, with uh, supposed Anthropocene period. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes there, the earth has been hotter in the past and no people would not have survived <laughs> you would totally be velociraptor yeah. food or something else like we're talking like hot humid continents really, were in different positions really Antarctica was a forest like there's like some nutty <laughs> things going on Bill
0: Bill Hannenberg likes to make that point too right? yeah. who's our guest on the last episode state geologist and our director like people say that oh planet has been hot before and it's like yeah but Would you want to live in that horrible environment? You couldn't live. Yeah, Yeah. you can't compare. You're just food. And then there's
2: the rate of change and things like that that Mm -hmm. are happening now. That's a good point
0: too. Um, So we've mentioned deep time throughout this conversation. Maybe wanted to expand on that just a little bit. Scorpion kind of, kind of, (laughs) kind of clear our minds with it. Deep time. A a good definition I found, the multimillion-year time frame within which scientists believe the Earth has existed Mm -hmm. and which is supported by the observation of natural, mostly geological phenomena. I think that's what we're trying to do, right?
1: Why isn't it multibillion?
0: I don't know. I'm nitpicking, sorry. uh, I don't know. Maybe I wrote that (laughs) down. (laughs) I also noted that this uh, deep time, that... Phrase or concept was first introduced by John McPhee. Did anyone? I agree? didn't know that. I didn't know I that mean, either. People weren't talking I, about
2: this before John McPhee. I mean, he really? Well, like Hutton was he, talking he, about he, it, but he wrote but didn't, it down. And call, yeah. Okay. I think that's the difference. He made it popular. Made it, or it, yeah, whatever. Yeah.
1: I yeah. might
0: have been saying long
1: time.
2: Right.
0: <laughs> but then um, I kind of I, uh, read this paper that was in GSA Today a few years ago that also sort of made made deep time really relevant to all this other stuff, that I found really important and sort of also why I wanted to talk about this. Like we have to really do a better job at, at explaining this and understanding this, educating people about this because there's economic implications, right? What we talked about earlier with the arches, right? You mm-hmm. mentioned that, like mm-hmm. wrapping our heads around these processes. So the same with economic geology, right? Uh, and it's particularly energy, formation of coal, formation of hydrocarbons, mm-hmm. oil, like... Geologic time is a huge part of that. Uh, construction materials, like we use aggregate for so m- so much stuff, right? Sand. Sand, yes. Like understanding how important those products are and how they're related to geologic processes and deep time is something critical and that we're really missing, I think, in geologic education maybe, I don't know. Yeah, Soils, kind of the same, soils are super important for so many things, life on earth, right? And the time involved with different types of soil mm-hmm. formation is critical.
1: I would want to throw in there too, it's, it's, there's a hierarchy in geology too, which is interesting. Like, um, so I, I would classify myself as a quaternary scientist as well, right? Cause I, most of my mm-hmm. work's the last 2.6 million years. And then other people that work in deeper stuff, tectonics and things would consider Quaternary scientists as being in the shallow end of the pool, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Um, And even going more recent than that, like uh, Matt and I were out in the field yesterday looking at some of the flood deposits and things in Eastern Kentucky. You know, we had that conversation, you know, over the next 10,000 years, which is a short time period, even for me, like all these catchments like are going to erode and you're going to have big debris flows, multiple big debris flows, multiple floods. Peaks will be lowered, and lots of sediment transported out. We've played with forward modeling with it with uh, graduate students here on million-year timescales, you know. So, but the problem with general society is they go, "Okay, that's great. What's going to happen next year?" Mm-hmm. Right, right. But then it becomes probability, and it's super difficult to predict,
4: mm-hmm. you
1: know. So we it's easier to do to predict averages, you know, right. like over ten thousand years. The landscape is going to lower by this much, which is probably this many floods. But figuring out that, you know, what's going to happen in the next hundred years and the next five years is really, really difficult. Um, Because again, bringing back fidelity, we don't have that record. You know what I mean? These are big, catastrophic, infrequent events, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, large magnitude, low frequency. So we don't have the fidelity to. That's a great point. Yeah, I, the- I had that jotted
0: down, actually, sort of hazard awareness in, in geologic time, right? The, the infrequent occurrence of large earthquakes, of tsunamis, volcanic eruptions, hurricanes, one-in-a-thousand-year floods, right, in the context of the geologic record is a real challenge, right? Mm-hmm. When someone sees 2% chance of a magnitude 7 earthquake in 50 years, okay, that's that's hard to grasp, kind of, but then what, what do we do with that information, right. too? Katrina kind of came to mind, right? Like that, the, the probability of that kind of event, uh, eastern Kentucky flooding now. So how do we highlight what's at stake with these large events and within the context of our culture, our economy, policy?
1: Yeah. So I want to bring up an example that's maybe not so close to home, so there's less emotion about it, right? So let's look at Seattle,
3: mm-hmm.
1: right? Half of Seattle is built on lahar deposits. And for those of you who don't know, lahars are when you get like fluidized debris flows of volcanic ash, right? So Mount Rainier is right, na- right there. There's a glacier on top of Mount Rainier right now. Yeah. There's been multiple lahars. Um, Mount St. Helens. Mount Helens. Yeah. Big lahar deposits. Big lahar, yeah. Yeah. Big lahar deposits. But, you know, Seattle have sales built on these old sediments, you know, that really aren't that old. And there will be another lahar in the future, you know, especially with climate change. You know, the glacier is going to melt. You know, you're going to get some sort of dam break, probably. You're going to mobilize a lot of that volcanic ash. For those of you that don't know, lahar is like, um, we colloquially call them chocolate concrete because they have the viscosity of concrete. And when they stop moving, they kind of set like concrete. But they move as fast as a flood. So they're pretty terrifying. And lots of people will die. And if you go there and talk to people, they'll be like, oh, yeah, Lahars, my house is built in a Lahar deposit. They know.
3: Yeah.
1: And they don't care because the probability of that happening next year is pro- probably pretty low. Mm-hmm. Right. But the probability of that happening in the next thousand years is really, really, really high. Right. You know, and it's not until after it happens and people go, oh, I didn't know. <laughs> but it's mm-hmm, like, exactly. you did know. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how you get people to believe the consequences. I think that's more of the problem. Can you say the same thing about San Francisco and, and yeah. earthquakes? No like, doubt. It's insane. Mm-hmm. It's complicated. <laughs> it's
0: complicated. I mean, I guess
2: that's where building for resiliency comes in because No doubt about it. You know, you're yeah, the probability is low in the next year, but you have to invest in infrastructure and things as if you're thinking about the next hundred or a thousand or 500, whatever that time period is. And I guess then it goes back to convincing people that it's worth spending the money to do things like that. But hundred percent. Great. That's a great point. So uh, I,
1: I question, you know, I know there's like the fabled geology, engineering wars. But I question engineers' abilities because, again, they're not exposed to deep time. Mm-hmm. I question their ability to build to a standard of resiliency
2: oh, well, that yeah. can survive these things. Because yeah, like yeah. you get no, things I, I, that are built for like... Yeah, right what do you floods. build to, to survive a lahar? Probably not. Much. Probably not. Or a liquefaction <laughs> of the ground in a yeah. earthquake in San Francisco. Yeah. Like,
1: I just don't... Yeah. In a practical way, I don't have any trust that humans will build things to those standards. Well, I guess
2: part of resiliency is not building and living in places, but that's a whole discussion. Move Move Uh, San Francisco, New Orleans to a new location. Move everybody. Well, but all of these locations have their
4: like different hazards, (laughs) right? Like it doesn't matter where you're at. Like you're not removing yourself from the potential of these hazards. Maybe it's earthquake. Maybe it's a Lahar, Maybe it's a flood, but maybe it's, Ocean, like sea level rise, like right. it doesn't matter. Right. There's something to deal with in all of these locations. Correct.
1: Yeah, but well, some places are. But this is the thing: is <laughs> some places are much, much worse than others. And we <laughs> like building cities on things that are really bad. Well, they're pretty.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and they economically, you know, you got the big, yeah, bay there and everything. You know? Well, that's that's the thing, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's it's. It's, it's risk versus
1: exploitation, right? Mm -hmm. Like what you can get out of it. And I get it. Like housing prices are high, you know, there's good jobs there, but you're gambling with your life, right? (laughs) And you have pretty good odds. You know, you're, you're probably gambling at the same rate of, of not winning the lottery.
4: Until you don't, (laughs) until you lose. You have pretty good odds (laughs) of
1: not winning the lottery when you play. So So
2: this is a lottery that affects a lot of people. (laughs) Right. Well,
1: yeah. Yeah.
3: Mm.
1: Yeah. I mean, I grew up in Southern California. We had lots of earthquakes, but Mm -hmm. we were in uh, uh, in Riverside. So in the Inland Empire on, you know, granitic bedrock, basically hurricanes, uh, hurricanes, (laughs) earthquakes (laughs) passed through really quickly. Not really much, if ever, any housing damage. You know, we went through a couple of sevens and eights and things like there's places to live where there's earthquakes and not have big effects on your life. But if you live on really soft, squishy sediment, that's, you know, Near saturated all the time. And then you throw in a 9.0 earthquake, and things start to liquefy, and you get sand volcanoes coming up, and buildings start sinking into the ground and tipping over. Your host, I, yeah, I mean, sand volcanoes. I, th- I think about yeah. those
0: really obvious, famous places a lot. I mean, uh, if you live in Indo- Indonesia, right, and and you're affected by just catastrophic tsunamis. I mean, the 2004 tsunami killed almost a quarter of a million people. Uh, if you live in Japan, you live in Turkey. Right? Those places where there's going to be destructive geologic
1: hazards. Yeah, living on the sides of volcanoes. Really great, fertile farmland. You can grow anything. It's amazing. This is again, exploitation, right? Versus hazard, like, you live on a volcano. (laughs) 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 Yeah. If you're in New Orleans, yeah, good farmland. It's great. You live below sea level. (laughs) The ocean's gonna win eventually. Right.
0: You can't beat gravity. <laughs> okay, Jason's time is is limited here. Oh, did you get that? Jason's right, time. Yeah. Nice. All of our time is technically limited. Though. That's true. Out. All right. The last thing I wanted to do, <laughs> the, the last thing I wanted to do was read an excerpt from this book I'm reading called "The Order of Time" by Carlo Rovelli. i have not finished the book, but it's it's awesome so far. And we had the we had this podcast scheduled, so I was like, oh, this would be cool. So I'm going to read this. The Order of Time by Carlo Rovelli. This is time, familiar and intimate. We are taken by it, the rush of seconds, hours, years that hurls us towards life, then drags us toward nothingness. We inhabit time as fish live in water. Our being is in time. Its solemn music nurtures us, opens the world to us, troubles us, frightens us, and lulls us. The universe unfolds into the future, dragged by time, exists according to the order of time. And yet, things are somewhat more complicated than this. Reality is often very different from what it seems. The earth appears to be flat, but is in fact spherical. The sun seems to revolve in the sky when really it is we who are spinning. The nature of time is perhaps the greatest remaining mystery. Curious threads connect it to those other great open mysteries, the nature of mind, origin of the universe, fate of black holes, the very functioning of Of life on earth. Something essential continues to draw us back to the nature of time. Why do we remember the past and not the future? Do we exist in time or does time exist in us? What does it really mean to say that time passes? What ties time to our nature as persons to our subjectivity? We conventionally think of time as something simple and fundamental that flows uniformly independently from everything else. From the past to the future, measured by clocks and watches in the occurrence of time, the events of the universe succeed each other in an orderly way. Past, presents, futures. The past is fixed, the future is open, and yet all of this turned out to be false. One after another, the characteristic features of time have proved to be approximations, mistakes determined by perspective, just like the flatness of the earth or revolving of the sun. The growth of our knowledge has led to a slow disintegration of our notion of time. What we call time is a complex collection of structures of layers. One by one, we discover the constituent parts of the time that is familiar to us, not now as elementary structures of reality, but rather as useful approximations for the clumsy and bungling mortal creatures we are. Aspects of our perspective and aspects too, perhaps, that are decisive in determining what we are. So I thought it was pretty cool. And like, I think actually our conversation hit on a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Take it where you will. Any last, last, uh, uh, comments or ideas or questions?
1: I've got a last thing. Okay. Very, very last thing. Yeah. Uh, can I give a shout out? Shout out. Yeah. Shout out to my cat Stardust. Um, and kind of based off of what you were just reading, Matt, to remind everybody that we're all made of Stardust. Everything heavier than hydrogen and helium, mm-hmm. right? So, like that's that's deep time supernovas. You get heavier elements, irons and stuff like that, recoil into planets and other stars, and that's what allowed us to be here and evolve and give us terrestrial planets. So, yep, deep time. Shout out to Stardust. Shout out to Stardust. Hey Stardust. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Jason, thanks for being a guest, uh, our first repeat guest on the Big Blue Rock Pod. That's good. Yeah, we'll probably have you back. Yeah, Try Yeah, you're just uh, upstairs. We'll so. Talk more about resiliency,
2: <laughs> hazard. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah we could do that. <laughs> and
1: maybe we can put the list together of all the cities that should be moved. <laughs>
2: <laughs> really, and where to move them? Really, move them? really. <laughs> make people. Oh, we got to figure out where to put them. Yeah, uh, really. Why you going to make it hard? Iowa.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Kansas, quite of bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. To hard. To, it's really hard to build tornado-proof homes, actually. So yeah, yeah. you can build oh, hurricane-proof, but not tornado-proof. I've yeah. actually,
4: I think, experienced more tornadoes in Kentucky than Kansas. So yeah. I right. think if it's moving. The yeah,
1: thanks climate change. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's time for underwater domes. I
4: did take uh, like an <laughs> atmospheric science class in undergrad at one point, and. I remember the professor saying that Tornado Alley, and this is like a complete side note, off topic, but Tornado Alley is like not a real thing. There, like, there's. No more tornadoes in that area than there are outside of that area. Yeah, Yeah.
2: see them for a longer distance.
4: (laughs) Right. I thought it
2: was
1: more just like disgruntled, down and out tornadoes want to go hang out there. (laughs) (laughs) Weren't
2: living their best life. (laughs) Well, it's coming back. You know, gentrifying.
4: We're trying to get people to move to Kansas right now, so I wouldn't like say that's where the down and out tornadoes go.
0: All right. Before we make any more people mad. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everybody. All right, welcome. Bye. Bye. This podcast was produced by the Kentucky Geological Survey at the University of Kentucky. Special thanks to Ben Corwin and Alicia Gregory at UK's Office of Research Communications for technical support. If you have any ideas for the show, email mcrawford at uky.edu. Thanks for listening.